The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, July 3rd, 2023. everybody and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz and I'm your host. And with me at the board is my friend, my partner, my engineer, and my co-producer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Elaine. Boy, we've had a little bit of a heat spell here in Sonoma County, but it looks like it's uh, cooling down. Wow, 2023, the 4th of July is going to be happening tomorrow. And take a moment to give thanks to the freedom we all have. This is this day is a reminder. It was not an easy task to get us where we are. And it can, and continues, actually, to as far as I'm concerned, to be very, very challenging. Well, I have a very special guest with me this morning. Joining me on the phone will be Reverend Dr. Patricia Keel, a longtime student of metaphysics and a spiritual teacher in the mystical uh, tradition. Uh, Patricia was the founding minister of, of the Unity uh, of Berkeley, California, and she's currently a guest uh, at here in Sonoma County at the Unity Church. Uh, amazing, amazing woman. And we're going to talk about new ways to think and how to handle some of the stresses that we were having in today's world. Well, a special, special happy birthday to my inspiring and beautiful son-in-law, David Johnson. We call him Dave. Uh, you are one in a zillion, and I want to wish you a joyous day and a life filled with peace of mind, good health, and loving relations. Yes, he was born on the 4th of July. Oh, my God. So I wonder if he, he probably used to think when he was a kid, when they were doing all the firecrackers, it was to celebrate his birthday. Well, you know, tomorrow is going to be, uh, we're going to be celebrating uh, the 4th of July. And, you know, it's actually, it's a very, very important holiday because it's a celebration when our forefathers actually wrote the Declaration of Independence, a very, very interesting document. And also was what was interesting in my research that I found is that the uh, Revolutionary War had already began. You know, they were already trying to negotiate with the Brits, you know, trying to free themselves from the king, and it was going to be impossible, and they, the war started, and then they wrote the Declaration of Independence, which is an, an amazing, an amazing document. And as I was reading the document, you know, I recognized, I said to myself, you know, I don't even remember if I ever read it. Maybe when I was in high school, I, I remember we had a civics class, but I, I don't, my mind can't, can't uh, wrap around whether we read it or not. So I decided to, to go in and really start studying the Declaration of Independence. And all of a sudden I realized, wow, this is really an important document. I mean, this is how they were formulating the United States of America as we know it. And we know there are issues. I mean, there's issues when they did the Constitution. There was issues when they did the Declaration of Independence because, you know, they still had that idea that, uh, you know, black people were not, full, were not full human beings. I mean, which is a disgrace when you think about that. But the most important thing about the Declaration of Independence, it was a statement of what they wanted. 
And it was a way that they, the first step to really moving forward to not only doing our Constitution, but as later on, we actually added the Bill of Rights. So what I thought I would do is just go over a little bit of the Declaration of Independence, just to give us an idea of how important it is. And I really recommend folks go on their computer, go on your browser and type in Declaration of Independence. And I'll tell you something, a thousand will come up that you can read. And it's an amazing document. Well, let, let's just read. Let's just read the beginning of it. And it says the unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America, when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with one another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws, listen to this, the laws of nature and of nature's God entitled them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to be separated. So that's, that's very, very interesting. And there's another thing that I thought is really interesting that, that's in the, the Declaration of Independence, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. Unfortunately, they didn't have women in there. Women still hadn't had the vote or anything was going on. This was in 1776. A hundred years, almost a hundred years later, the women finally got the vote. Among men, deriving their just powers from the consent from the consent of the governed. You know, to me, that means that it was what we vote. We vote on these things. We hold these truths to be self-evident. And this is another important statement that they made, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing because at that time, what they considered men was Caucasian men who owned property. There's nothing about women in here, nothing about black people in here. Just this is men. These white property owners decided that they wanted to have a country, and then they wrote this Declaration of Independence while they were warring with Britain. And it was very, very interesting. The present king, this is like what they say, the present king of Great Britain, is a history of repeated injustices and usurpations, all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny, tyranny over those states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. And so what, after what happened there is they had 17 grievances. And what's really interesting, when you start doing the history, you know, I, I couldn't help but go into... Uh, I remember when I was reading the Federalist Papers and I read about Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin was really concerned, and this is what he expressed when, after this Declaration of Independence was written. Benjamin Franklin expressed the goal of America's experiment in liberty when he said, God grant that not only the love of liberty, but a thorough knowledge of the rights of man may pervade all nations of the earth that a philosopher may set in 1787 when the founding fathers hammered out the U.S. Constitution in the Independent Hall in Philadelphia. You know, Benjamin Franklin told an inquiring woman what, his, what the gathering had produced, a republic, madam, you can keep it 
wait, let me see here. A republic man, a republic madam, if you can keep it. In other words, he doubted if even this country would last with the way they were writing and what they were doing with the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and also the Declaration of Independence. So what was interesting, what I found also very insightful, you know, and gave us even a little bit more history into what was going on, is they, they actually had uh, 27 grievances. And those grievances were against the king. And I found it very interesting, uh, they, these grievances, because what happened, in my mind, is some of the grievances they had then are still some of the grievances they had back then. One of the things, there's one grievance he said, is that the king had made judges dependent on his will alone for the tenure of the offices and the amount of payment of their salaries. What's very interesting, the king was the one that was at administering justice, you know, and it gives me that feeling when I think about the Supreme Court, you know, how we have, it's become such a political issue that we have to look, that we have to separate, we have to separate the court from politics, you know, we have to separate the court from being able to take, you know, these hefty uh, donations that they're having, but that was one of their grievances. You know, another grievance was for depriving, in many cases, the benefits of trial by jury. You know, I, I, can't, I can't look at the bigger picture, but I'm thinking of locally. You know, we had a real good friend of ours that was having an issue, and all of a sudden we found that there are administrative laws that actually prevent us from having a trial by jury. So there's a lot of things to look at in our own structure right now. So I really, you know, there's so much I could go through with all this, and, you know, it, it becomes overwhelming, especially when you're trying to talk about it in the studio. So I really recommend, I really recommend that folks go onto their computer and look up the Declaration of Independence and, and read it to one another. You know, I was thinking in my own religion, you know, I was brought up Jewish, and in my own religion, it used to be on Passover, we used to all sit around the table and we would tell the Passover story, which is hundreds of years, thousands of years old. It's, I think it's about, uh, what, we're at 2023, it's 2023 years, at, you know, Passover. I mean, you sit around the table and you tell all the different stories, and they had different rituals that had been going on forever and ever, but it was mainly to tell the story of how the Jews were liberated and, and and what happened after that. So why not do that with the Declaration of Independence? Why not, during July 4th, gather around with your family, gather around with your children, read this document, understand what it is about your country, what, what they were trying to do, and what we have been trying to do for over 200 years. I believe it's 247 years ago is that when this declaration was written. And you know, it's interesting when you think about what Benjamin Franklin said, that he felt that this was an experience, an experiment, and he's telling the woman he hopes it will last, it won't fail. Let's look at ourselves today. What is going on? We're really struggling to hold on to our Constitution, to make sure that our courts are, are at, a, at a level that they're supposed to be at, and also looking at the first time in history that a United States president is being accused of all these different crimes. I mean, when you start looking at it, all of a sudden you say, wait a minute, are they trying to go back? Does he want to be a king? Do they want to have kings now? I mean, I don't understand that. 
you know, when we have such a vibrant country. I mean, it, it was very, very interesting to me as I was reading the Declaration of Independence. All of a sudden, I came on the picture of the Statue of Liberty, and suddenly I thought of my grandmother. My grandmother coming to America because this was the land of the free. This was the land of opportunity. You know, when my grandmother finally voted after 35 years, I asked her, Grandma, how does it feel to be American? Why do you love America so much? Oh, my child, she said, only in America, the police don't come and break down your doors and drag you away. And I never forgot that. I never forgot that. You know, when you come when you come from another country, generally speaking, you come because you're oppressed or there's some sort of violence going on against you or against the group that you're part of. So the Declaration of Independence is an amazing, amazing document. And we need to look at it. We need to understand it. And we also need to understand our Constitution. I mean, of course, when the Declaration was written, we, our forefathers, they justified slavery. You know, but we went into a civil war, and all of a sudden, slavery was over. I mean, we at least tried to get it over. I mean, when they made the Jim Crow laws, it, it kind of oppressed a lot of things that were, were supposed to happen. And also, when Abraham Lincoln was shot, it also stopped, you know, certain things, certain things from happening for the black people when they were free. But the point is, is that we have a flexible document that we can amend, that we can work with. That we and, and and then when you look at it, when you look at the when you look at the Bill of Rights, after I was reading the Declaration of Independence, I start reading the Bill of Rights and I says, Oh my goodness, we in this country have a lot to live up to. But at least we have a document that says this is the way we're supposed to go. And it's very important that all of us stand up for it. So I hope you enjoyed this little little overview of the uh, Declaration of Independence and, uh, you know, a few opinions going here and there. But it's very important. We are a, I like to think of us as a free country. I mean, I'm 83 years old. I've been free all my life, independent, you know. And unfortunately, with this Roe versus Wade, I don't have the same kind of independence. I mean, that that's the struggle. But the whole point, when you read that, also when you read the Declaration, is you recognize that America is a constant struggle because democracy takes work. Democracy takes education. Democracy takes understanding exactly what the rules are. So lots to think about. And listen, why don't you email me at elainebholtz at gmail.com. Let me know what you thought of this little, this little overview. You know, it's something very new for me, and uh, I, hope, I hope I'm clear, and I hope you got a little bit out of it. Well, like we do every, besides July 4th, uh, 1776 being a historical moment when they wrote the uh, Declaration of Independence, I want to bring you up into today's world to show how flexible how, how we can work our Constitution. Of course, they're looking to ban it and to change it and all kinds of things because, again, we are not getting the legal representation that we need. We really have to look at the Supreme Court and what's going on. But on July 2nd, 1964, and this is the year, this is the year my daughter was born. So I know it's almost, it's 59 years ago, but this was, this is the year my daughter, my daughter was born in April. And I remember, it, I remember it like it was yesterday when they made the announcement, July 2nd, 1964, President Lyndon Johnson signs the Civil Rights Act, Title VII prohibits sex discrimination in employment. But we had the Civil Rights Act. That means now 
black people could go and vote without all the different rigmarole that they had to go through before that. And it was a struggle. I remember seeing dogs being put on people who were trying to get the vote. I mean, it was, it was really quite a journey. Well, and here's another thing that happened. We're, we're, now we're going to go back in time again. And I think this is very, very interesting when I thought about this. July 4th, 1876. Oh, hey, that's 100 years after the Declaration of Independence was wrote. Suffragists crashed the centennial celebration in the Independence, Independence Hall to present the vice president with the Declaration of the Rights of Women, written by Matilda Jocelyn Gage. Can you believe that? The Declaration of the Rights of Women. I mean, you have to read it. It's just, it, it's just an amazing document. Well, it was written by Olympio de Gojoses, that's her French name, which is uh, Matilda Jocelyn Gage, wrote the Declaration of Rights of Women and the Female Citizen in 1791 as a response to the Declaration of the Rights of Man and the Male Citizen, which was published in 1789 during the French Revolution. The Declaration of the Rights of Women called the Equal Treatment of Women and advocated for women's rights. So what happened was in 1871, it looks like uh, this woman, this French woman wrote something about uh, the Declaration of the Rights of Man, uh, uh, the male citizen, which was published, and then they took it over and they wrote the Declaration of the Rights of Women. Very, very interesting, asking for equal treatment of women and advocated for women's rights. And one of the rights that women should have and always have, and that is dominion over their own bodies. And that's what we're struggling for, to get choice. You know, abortion is such a funny word. You know, I say it over and over. I'm not for it. I'm not against it. I'm for choice. It's none of my business what you decide to do. You know, and if you have to meet your God at the end of your life, well, that's not my business either. And you're going to have to handle that. But to put laws against doing that and not giving women choice is really a violation of everything that this country stands for. So there's a lot to think about, folks, so let's just think about it. Well, now what we're going to do is we're going to take a musical break. There's a lot, there's a lot to, uh, to put your, wrap your mind around. And I found the perfect song for July 4th. You know, a time to appreciate with criticism, uh, appreciate our, our country with truth and some criticism. When we return, I will be talking with Reverend Dr. Patricia Keel, and the song I'm going to be playing is America the Beautiful, sung by Buffy St. Marie. And then when we return, I will be talking with Dr. Reverend uh, Patricia Neal Keel, a longtime student of metaphysics and a spiritual teacher in the metaphysical tradition. Patricia was the founding minister of Unity in Berkeley and is currently uh, visiting churches all over the state. I personally study with Unity and thought Reverend Patricia Keel has a lot to share with us and uh, particularly about independent thought and how we can have a more independent life. So let's go ahead and play America the Beautiful by Buffy St. Marie. Ken. There were Choctaws in Alabama, Chippewas in St. Paul, Mississippi mud runs like a river in me. America, oh, she's like a mother to me. Oh, beautiful, for 
more spacious skies for amber waves and gray for purple mountain majesty above the fruited plain America America God shed his grace on just gives me the chills when I listen to it. And I love Buffy St. Marie. She always has such a strong message. You know, I would really encourage you to try to listen to that. It's, there's a wonderful arrangement on YouTube. It's just amazing. Well, for you just joining us, I want to remind my listeners the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of the station, its board of directors, its members, and women's spaces. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And without further ado, I want to introduce my beautiful guest joining me on the phone, Reverend Dr. Patricia Keel. Welcome. Welcome to Women's Spaces once again. Well, it's so great to be with you, Elaine. I always love being on your show, and I especially loved your overview, the fast-forward of that history lesson. It was great. Well, thank you so much. You know, I was really thinking, you know, that it's such an important document, and it says so much about our country. On the 4th of July, you know, it seems to me that we focus more on going shopping, you know, and, and, and family picnics and whatever else they do, instead of instead of studying and seeing the, the, the foundation of our country. It's just very amazing. Well, Patricia, I hope you call It's okay I call you Patricia. Before Absolutely. We be, before we begin, I want to tell uh, folks just a little bit about you if that's okay. Okay. 
Reverend Dr. Patricia Keel is a longtime student of metaphysics and a spiritual teacher combining Western metaphysics with Eastern mysticism. She believes that every woman carries with her, within her the wisdom, insight, and inner strength to overcome challenges and create miracles in the world. Her work as a teacher, coach, speaker, and trainer spans over 40 years with diverse groups from all cultures and traditions and faiths. Patricia was the founding minister of the Unity of Berkeley and is frequently a guest minister at Unity Church here in Sonoma County. Her studies in India over the past four year, four, uh, 14 years brings a unique depth to her work as East meets Western spirituality. For myself, I personally have heard her talk several times, and I was so inspired that I wanted to have her on the show, and this is our second time. So thank you so much for being here, and is there anything that you'd like to add? No, except you've made me older than I am. I've actually been teaching for 30 years, not 40 years. Oh, excuse me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> actually, maybe more like 35 now that I look <laughs> at it, because I forget how old I am sometimes. Well, good, because I'm trying to forget how old I am. Well, I had to write it down. I went, wait a minute, 76 from 40, I have 30. No, okay. <laughs> anyway... Patricia, let's start out, you know, this is the second time you've been on, and just a little bit of a refresher for our listening audience. Talk about Unity and its mission, and just give us a little history, how you got involved in Unity, and what inspired you? Well, um, I think what inspired me, I could say that first, was my life was a mess. <laughs> so I, you know, I was in my early 40s, and I, had go- I was going through my second divorce, and my strategy to deal with it was not the best. It was basically uh, Chardonnay, which, you know, was just what I thought would calm me down, but basically it just zoned me out from being conscious of what was going on in my life. And and through that experience of actually being in 12-step, I, I met a woman who was so peaceful. I, I said to her, Elaine, I said, I want what you have. Help me. And she took me to a unity church. And, you know, that was the beginning of my feeling like, oh, my goodness, I, I've come home to something that I've been missing for many, many years in my life. And it was a, a, a deep, quiet place of connecting to spirit. And I was so catapulted by that that ultimately I let go of a pretty successful real estate company that I had to volunteer at the church. I remember my accountant told me I was insane, but I was much happier. So <laughs> anyway, Unity, I ultimately became a, a teacher and, in Unity and then later um, became a minister and started a church in Berkeley. And, and now I'm the part-time minister in Santa Rosa. And what's what's been such an impact for me in terms of the unity message is it's a message of spiritual wisdom that basically transcends all different spiritual traditions, even though the basis is the teachings of Jesus. So it's very grounded in the New Testament, but also brings in wisdom from all other cultures and all other traditions. Well, you know, I just want to say something here that when you said that, when the teachings of Jesus, one of the things that I have found out by myself being a student of unity is they focus on the teachings, not 
the mythological aspect of it, but more focusing on the teaching and letting others just have your belief, however you believe of this human being or this experience. But it's more important to understand the lesson and also to go deep within. You know, he, he himself said, go to the Father within. And I really believe that's what unity teaches, is to go inside, find your own inner wisdom, your own inner strength, and your connection with the great, the divine. So I just thought I'd throw that in. Well, absolutely. And, you know, it. unity teaches that what we read in the Bible and basically pretty much every experience in our life is a, is a book for us to read, you know, the book of our own life, because what we experience in the outer in the same way the stories that we read in the Bible are actually a um, metaphor or an, a help for us to explain our own soul's journey in this lifetime. And that's what's so beautiful about, for me as a unity minister, I can pick any passage in the Bible and do a a metaphysical understanding of it. And it's different every time I do that, uh, which makes it always so very alive. That's why I love metaphysics. Well, why don't you, in your bio, you said you're a longtime student of metaphysical metaphysics and a spiritual teacher combining western metaphysics with eastern mysticism you know what is your definition of of metaphysics and spirituality and mysticism well so uh, when i think of metaphysics i just understand that meta is above and so metaphysics is a way of us bringing our consciousness to a higher level than that which is the physical it's about understanding that the world is greater than what we can see and touch with our senses. And so when we are, when we're dealing with a metaphysical understanding of life, we begin to go to a higher level of consciousness to the things that we cannot see, but that we know exist in the realm of spirit, in the realm of the ethers, in the realm of the quantum field of all things are possible. So that, that element of metaphysics as a way of teaching and understanding for me is really important. But to me, it also has got a level of locking me into a limitation of the intellect. Whereas when I experience the mysticism, which I've done very much in my 16 years of going to India, it's a different level of essentially experiencing these deeper knowings that for me, metaphysics has pointed me to. So what I love about bringing Eastern and Western traditions together is there's both the wisdom and the teaching that I can gather from the metaphysics, but also the deeper experience that the mystics can bring us in our journey of awakening into higher consciousness and to that journey of the soul, which is what we all ultimately want. We want to be awake to that. And that as a spiritual teacher, that's what I do. That's what I love to do. And especially right now I'm teaching women because I think women women are the future for us to impact this world. Well, you know, what you what you said really defines for me what the younger generation is calling woke. They're calling the woke generation. You know, to me it's the generation that's waking up to all possibility and to the to the beauty of the of life and how we do not we do not express that beauty the way we need to on a more fuller capacity. That's what's so beautiful about the Declaration of Independence, that they were trying to have a free state and to move forward especially separating when they separated the uh, the church from the state, which was an amazing, an amazing experience. Well, what do you mean, you know, by when you say you combine, uh, 
you combine Western mysticism and with spirituality. And then when I look at today's world, there's a lot of fear going on. You know, people are afraid about the country. They're afraid with all these wars that are going on. I mean, it, you know, they start telling us the nuclear clock is like 60 seconds from when it's going to go off or who knows what, what that is all about. But there's a lot of fear going on in this world. How do you take these principles and how do you help work with that fear so you can move forward in your life rather than being frozen in your life? Great. That's a beautiful question because for me, this experience of awakening, which you say, you know, young people are calling woke, but for me, it's about awakening. It's an everyday experience of waking up to the truth of who we are as spiritual beings having a human experience in this lifetime. And what is, for me, the key thing is our awareness, which for me came in my waking up to unity and the teachings of metaphysics, but then taking that awareness that I have an opportunity to choose in any moment, what's going on in my consciousness? What am I thinking about? What's my emotional state? And through my work in India, working with oneness and beginning to understand the different levels of consciousness that exist within us, I became really able in my own life to look at what was going on inside, how I was reacting to what was in the outer, what was in the physical in the outer, the things that were going on in the news, the situations that were happening, and being able to be in an awakened awareness of what my state of what is the state I'm holding while I'm interacting with the news while I'm interacting with a per, particular person am I in a state of upset and anger and conflict is there inner conflict going on or can I bring myself to be fully present in the moment in consciousness to a higher state of consciousness that literally is able to be fully engaged with the energy in that experience that's where this movement from kind of an inner chaos and disorder and disconnection and sense of separation can literally, we can make that choice to move to a place of inner calm, an inner peace, an inner order, that for me, that is our liberation. That is our independence, Elena. That gives us the possibility that all things are possible in how I show up to speak, how I show up to take action that's authentic action that has consequences not only for me but for the people around me. So it's a very interesting kind of way of moving in the world when we become awake and conscious and aware of what's going on in our inner state and how that impacts everything in the outer. Well, it's interesting that you bring this up. You know, yesterday on Sunday, I'll just tell my listeners a little story. I was asked at the last minute, I thought, you know, I was into meditation and not thinking about anything. And then Patricia asked me to come up and tell a little story. And what I was so aware of in telling it is how calm I was. You know, that I wasn't having the adrenaline rushing all over. And I really believe that that inner, that inner, that inner feeling of you're okay and that you, you don't have to be fearful. And it was an amazing experience for me. And it also makes me think about this song that we have. You know, the theme song for women's spaces is the woman in your life is you. Yeah, And I think it was written by Alec Dopkin, blessing. She, she made her transition a few years ago, but she allowed me to use the song as, a, as long as I want it. 
and it, it really gives that message. So, you know, we've really had quite a conversation when it comes to the metafix and all that. And right now, I mean, I hope it's okay with you. You're going to stay with me. We're going to take a, a musical break. Is that okay? I'm here. Okay, we're going to take a musical break. And I just thought this was, I, I just want to kind of dedicate this song to you, uh, Patricia, Dr. Patricia Keel, for all the uh, inspiration you've done for me personally. And the song is, I Can See Clearly Now, sung by Anne Oh, Marie. I love this song. You know, this is a great at, song. Yeah, pay attention to the words. You know, she talks about the promise of working out of the fog that many of us get in. And recognize that you matter and you have a voice. So let's go ahead, Ken. Let's play I Can't See Clearly Now by Anne Marie. going to be a bright, bright, sunny day. It's all up to you folks. You know, it's all in your mind. You know, it's really, I love that song and I love Anne Marie. And to think she wrote that song along with I Am Woman, Hear Me War, just an amazing, amazing person. 
Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And with me on the phone uh, with this wonderful conversation is Reverend Dr. Patricia Keel, a longtime student of metaphysics and a spiritual teacher in the mystical tradition. Welcome back, uh, Patricia. This is really a very interesting conversation. I love that song. I'm kind of rocking and rolling in my chair here. <laughs> I know. I mean, I can see clearly now. I mean, it's, yeah, it's I amazing. Love it. Well, let, let's go back. We're going to go back because tomorrow's going to be uh, July 4th, and I thought we would just we should look look at the Declaration of Independence in a in a different way. And the in the Declaration, the founders used a source of authority, the laws of nature and nature's God, which is stated in the document. What, what do you? How do you see? What do you think they meant by that statement? The laws of nature and nature's God. So, you know, it's interesting because I think when I was first involved in unity as a unity student before I became a teacher and then later a minister, I would hear them speak about laws of consciousness or spiritual principles. And it was something that was a little bit hard to understand, but I think that this idea of laws of nature and the spiritual principles that we begin to understand as we uh, move deeper into our spiritual nature, we understand that there's an indwelling aspect of us that is literally invisible. And from this inner state of consciousness, even before we speak, there's an energy vibration that we're holding that begins to outpicture in the world. And unity has the teaching as the law of mind action. In other words, the thing that you are conscious of, what you're thinking about, comes about in the world. And I think this is the, what they're talking about when they're talking about the laws of nature and the laws of God. There are lots of aspects of this law, but it's just that, you know, if I'm carrying a thought of anger, whatever it is that I'm making a choice to do in the world is going to have that edge of anger in it. It's going to have a sense of disconnection. It's going to have a sense of two-ness. If I'm angry, I'm angry at something. There's already a sense of separation there. And that's the piece that I think is so important for us to begin to understand. I think it's exactly what the forefathers were having us look at. They were living in a place of separation, and they wanted to come into a place of wholeness, really acknowledging who they are as, as basically divine beings connected to the presence of God. And so they created their own rules about how that would unfold. But it's basically a very individual thing for each one of us to begin to anchor into our own awareness and our own consciousness that we carry these laws inside ourselves. And just think, just think if we all had that attitude of moving forward within our own selves to look at our own actions, our own ideas and our own thoughts and what what spiritual laws actually are and what it means you know the laws of nature and nature is god and just think if everybody got on board with that what the world would look like i mean just it's an amazing thought well just like the framers of the declaration of independence had challenges you know what challenges you believe people face in today's world and 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 how can they work with these challenges i mean i did mention it at the beginning a lot of the fears that we have and and one of, one of, one of the interesting things that you talk about i know most people you know when something happens we're all going to pray together you know when they have these mass shootings you know everybody's going to get together and pray and and you come up with this concept called positive prayer 
What, what do you mean by that? And how can that help people dealing with what is happening in today's world and to help overcome it and become more active in a positive way rather than feeling so defeated? Yes. Well, I cannot take ownership of the term positive prayer, Elaine, um, because it's very much rooted in the tradition of new thought, which is not just unity, but other traditions like religious science. Um, basically, the idea that that positive thought brings to us is that when we are praying, when we are connecting with something greater than ourselves that also indwells each one of us, we are not praying to something outside of ourselves. We're not asking for something that doesn't already exist at the realm of the invisible, at the realm of consciousness. And, you know, rather than being in a prayer where we're begging God to do something, we're promising, we're borrowing, I would say begging, borrowing, beseeching. That's that old model of prayer. Like it's, it has, it, it's out there. And if I'm a good girl and do what I say I'll do, then maybe God will grant me those wishes. That's more of an Old Testament kind of image of God. What positive prayer is about is knowing at some level of consciousness which is the nature of the universe, is consciousness. It's not just in me, it's in all, all life. At some level, whatever it is that we desire, peace in relationships, a sense of being, feeling in, on purpose, a sense of wholeness in the physical body, whatever it is that you and I can individually imagine and desire is already available in the realm of the invisible. Now, we may not see it yet, but it's there. You know, people ask for money for something. The money's there. It just hasn't showed up in my bank account yet. So when we're talking about positive prayer, we're anchoring into our inner awareness that there's no separation between who we are as divine beings and that quality that we are asking the divine to gift us with. And it may be a quality in consciousness. It may be a, a sense of peace. It may be a sense of connection with our partner. It may be a sense of feeling on purpose in the work we, we do. Or it may be something very physical. We may want to you know, live in a different house. And, and, but we can see that these things already exist. So in positive prayer, we affirm, we create a, founda a firm foundation in our awareness, in our consciousness, in our minds and hearts feeling and thinking that that already exists rather than thinking it's sometime down in the future. And we claim it already as now, as ours. Well, let me give you an example of that. Uh, about 40 years ago <laughs> at a Unity presentation, I found this little prayer about having a house. And then I was working with a woman by the name of Marguerite Meyer, who was a wonderful minister. And the affirmation that she taught me was, the perfect house I am seeking is seeking me, and we find each other now. Thank you, Great Spirit, for my perfect house. The next thing I knew, my mother was calling me up and telling me she wanted to give me a gift for my graduation, which helped with the down payments. <laughs> and the next thing I knew, the owner of the house I was living in told me she wants to sell it, and she wanted $300 a month. That's all she wanted. And when interest loans were 15 I was able to get it at 9%. And all, I mean, that is an example. Would, would, you, would you say that's a fair example? Oh, sure, sure. And, and you, because you, and there's another thing that I love, and, and I just want to put this in here. You had a, a 
a joint agreement with your with Marguerite. In other words, she believed as well as you believed that you could have this perfect house. And I think that sometimes when we have doubts about whether or not we're worthy to receive something, sometimes we need to borrow someone else's believing, which is why, you know, Jesus always said, whenever two or more are gathered, there am I in the midst. But I think sometimes there's some power when we're collectively aligned in a prayer together, whether it's an affirmation or whether it's a a spoken prayer or a silent prayer. Amazing how it works, isn't it? Well, you know, we've come we've come to pretty quickly to the end of our segment here, but I have one last question for you. And what are some of the things that you would like our listeners to walk away because of this conversation? I mean, we've gone from the Declaration of Independence <laughs> on to metaphysics and, you know, spirituality and all kinds of different things, and also now talking about unity and talking about the challenges that people are facing. What do you hope people walk away from? from with what what do you hope they got out of this conversation today so what i really know is that we have a choice as human beings to become more aware of our inner state we we all are so aware of what's going on in the outer i mean we're more aware than we ever were because of our phones and our the internet and all the ways that social media basically is is available to us and sometimes bombarding us but being aware of what's going on inside of us our deeper wisdom our deeper nature our feeling nature our emotional nature our belief systems Becoming more and more aware of that is a key thing, I think, for women to make the transition, to be able to be clear vessels, to make change occur in our world, because we have to do it from a place of love and connection. And I can just offer one little tip is if you find yourself in a state of disconnection, a state of anxiety, or you're feeling depressed, or you're feeling um, angry when you look at the news, Take some time to slow down your breath. Just simply slow down that exhalation. If you're inhaling to two, exhale to four. That will immediately begin to quiet your mind. It's part of the mystical triangle. It's something that I teach. And it's the easiest way to begin to bring that kind of overzealous energy back into a place of peace and calm. And it's a freedom and a choice that we can make moment to moment. We have the capacity to be aware and also to calm down ourselves with our inner breath. You know, that's very interesting because I can say for 100% sure it does work. You know, you can get really anxiety. I mean, I had an I had a little I'm facing a little bit of a physical challenge and when we went to church yesterday and we did the meditations, I got home and I said I just turn it over and I, I don't have to waste my energy worrying about the future. I'm just gonna live and look at what I have right at this moment and prepare myself if there's anything other than that, that I have to prepare for. Well, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here on Women's Spaces. And I, any last words? And also give us your website, how people can get a hold of you. And okay. Patricia, I, I can't thank you enough. You are so inspiring and have so much to offer. And the most important thing that people need to recognize is they're okay that we are all beautiful children of the universe. And if we just learn to use our minds in a productive way, we would really be surprised on what would happen on the planet itself. So last words in your website, etc. 
Well, I just want to really honor you, Elaine and Ken, for holding the women's spaces for us and really bless and a blessing out to each of the women and, and men who are listening today. May you really feel a deeper sense of independence inside, a spiritual independence, knowing that you can make choices for your life moment to moment and be that most amazing being that you are. So I do have a website. It's my name, Patricia Keel, K-E-E-L.com. And I have some upcoming programs that are happening during the fall, which I'm really excited to be offering. And the listeners can find out about them um, on the website. Thanks so much, Elaine. Great to be with you again. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Patricia Neal, for being on Women's Bases. And I wish you much, much, much joy and happiness through the day. Thank you so much. Wow, that was really a beautiful conversation, and I pray, I hope that my listeners got something out of that. The most important thing is to know that you are a valuable person and that you can you can contribute. And we have a few minutes left. Can we just play a little bit of "Keep Your Eye on the Prize"? Uh, Ken, let's just yeah. let's just because the prize is freedom. The prize is freedom of thought. The, the, the prize is to feel good about yourself. So let's just hear a few with keep your eye on the prize. This is a, a it's an old spiritual, but the, the words are changed a little bit, and I want you to listen to it. So let's go ahead. I, I believe it's being sung by the Buena Elementary School uh, kids. So let's go ahead. What is the prize? 
And what is the prize? The pride is freedom. The prize is thoughtful thinking. The prize is controlling your own mind. The prize is peace on earth, goodwill to men and women. Amazing. Well, folks, that's it for our show. A reminder that all the information, we're going to have an overview of the the show and also all the information for Dr. Patricia Keel, excuse me, on www.womenspaces.com. Tell your friends Women's Spaces will be aired again at 11 o'clock Monday evening tonight. I'm really excited. I've actually been listening to my shows lately. And also I'm available for speaking engagements. And if you have any announcements, like if you have the anniversary, a birthday, anything that you feel is important, if there's an event that you feel, a nonprofit that you feel needs a little bit of an announcement, please always email me at Elaine. B. Holtz at Women's Space. Excuse me, it's Elaine B. Holtz at gmail.com. Elaine B. Holtz at gmail.com. Remember, our children are the future, and we must never lose sight of that. And I want to wish everybody a happy 4th of July and really encourage, I'm encouraging my listeners, go to your computer, pull out the Declaration of Independence, share it with your children, share it with your family. Well, this is Elaine B. Holtz. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to being with you the next time. She'll take you home now. The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, July 3rd, 2023.